Welcome to the Single Dad Reboot Podcast, episode 32. Last year around Father's Day, I sat down with my friends Clinton from Fatherhood Farms and Floor from Dad Style 99 to just talk about being a dad and all the things that took place in 2020 and 2021. This year, we decided to do the same, except we talked about what's taking place between last year, Father's Day 2021, and this year, Father's Day 2022. We talk about all the big things that have taken place in our lives over the last year, as well as all the big things that have taken place in our children's lives as well. We also talk about the tragedy of Uvalde and just how to address serious topics like that with your children when they do come up. And we also talk about what you can expect from us in the future. So let's jump right in. All right, Floor and Clint, thanks for joining me again this year. I know last year we had a lot of fun doing this, so I thought we should do it again, catch up, see how everybody's doing. We had a lot of changes between doing this last year and this year. Last year we were kind of, well, really still in the middle of the pandemic. I guess it's sort of debatable as to whether or not it's still going on, depending on how you feel about things. I mean, there's definitely still a lot of stuff going on with it. For the most part, everything's pretty much back open. I know we spoke last year, you know, kids were... Kind of in school, kind of hybrid, a few days at home, a few days, uh, you know, back in school. This year was the first full year, just in terms of, you know, what's going on in your life. You know, I know a lot of big things have been going on with everybody. Flor, start with you first. What, what's going on with you? Man, well, the, uh, I mean, with the transition to school, it, it, you know, kids from the last time we spoke, you know, kids were are back full time. And that transition was kind of tough for, I think, a lot of kids in general, but my daughter, you know, just getting used to having that mandatory mask mandate like in her school that was a little bit tough you know eventually she adjusted pretty well it's just the cases that just kept happening within the school itself I feel like every week we had you know another seven to 15 cases within the school luckily my daughter was never uh, affected Um, there was one scenario where she had uh, a child in her class I guess got it but it was an isolated situation so Uh, None of the children were affected. Yeah, I mean, I I think we dodged some bullets and things worked out pretty well. Besides from that, just in life in general, I mean, uh, I guess a personal accomplishment of mine is I was able to accomplish a OCR race one of those obstacle course races and yeah, um, yeah it was awesome it was, man congratulations yeah, on that that's huge. yeah thank you it was I definitely pushed myself harder than I ever have areas where I thought I was never going to be able to do something you know it just I was able to push through it and, and make it happen which it, it wasn't so much the physical training but I think the mental training as well and just you know just telling myself that you know I, I got this you know and it was it was awesome I had a good support system too so I was able to accomplish that what and, race was that what what uh what foundation was it like it was Spartan or Mudder? It was uh the Savage Race. Oh, okay, Savage, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, and it was man, it was. They do a lot of company stuff. Wait, was yours with work? No, mine was just personal. I just had to. I've always wanted to do it. The only way I found myself to do it was I bought a ticket and I was like, all right, this is it. <laughs> I spent the money. Yeah. Now I got to do it. Precious um, arm. Yeah, I trained for, uh, I want to say about two and a half, three months. And man, I, I felt better than I ever have been in a really long time. So it was awesome to accomplish that. And something else, you know, just like father related, my co-parenting has been showing some progress. Um, it's not perfect. Awesome. You know, there is finally some light that's happening, which is good for my daughter, of course. You know, there's always some challenges here and there that I just try to approach differently from time to time, you know, as kids evolve and they grow and they learn more things you have to approach certain situations differently so that's it's always uh, a learning experience for me um as we know fatherhood that's what it is i mean mm-hmm. just when you think you got it all it's, they come they come at you at a different angle and you're like okay wait a minute this this wasn't in the book yep that's so, true. Uh, yeah so i 
you know, it, it's always something, you know, I, I enjoy just making sure that the co-parenting works. Um, it's always a struggle, but we're, we're, we're getting there little by little. I'll take, I'll take any progression that I can get. Um, and then Orlando dad's group, man, it's like reignited. We, we started it back up. Uh, we're going full in. We've got quite a few new members uh, within the city. We've had a lot more um, traction going on, events happening in place, some partnerships happening. So yeah, just any way we can get out to the dads and just you know, let them know that we're here. We got, we got their back when we, when they need us. How do you guys grow the group? Is it a, do people just kind of stumble upon it or do you guys just, whenever you meet dads out, do you bring it up? So you were, um, you and, uh, I was a Marlon, you guys were like sort of heading up the group, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, we just recently got a new, a new member or he's always been a member, but you know, he's helping us plan and, and lead it. I don't know if you guys may be familiar with him. His name is, uh, Nate Watson from dad swag. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he, he, join forces with us. I mean, yeah, we gain new members really from like different parts, uh, either through social media or through word of mouth. Or sometimes we've even had a couple recently who found us through just a Google search um, looking for for dad groups out there. So which goes to show you that, you know, there is dads out there who are looking to to kind of hang out with other dads and just, you know, with other like-minded individuals to either look for kind of some kind of support system uh somebody just to talk to or just to hang out you know and i think that's definitely needed especially over the last couple of years what the world has seen and encountered and you know with with mental issues going on in the world i think something like this is definitely definitely needed and it's not just in in the city of orlando you know it's all over the place it's in it's in austin it's in uh dc i mean it's all over the place where where they have it going on so but not just you know groups like that i mean it's any any kind of groups or just you know phoning a friend you know that's what we're here for so it's been it's been a good year so far and and we're really liking the traction that's been picking up and all the new members coming on board making an impact in general i'm gonna ask clint the same question because i've seen uh, on instagram he's moved his uh, weight dungeon outside now you said you had two months before you built up to the race how did you manage to force yourself to, to stay consistent with you know building up and preparing for it was it just because you knew you had like a mission in mind like you you were saying to yourself i've got so many days to get ready for this i have to stay on track or did you have some other kind of trick or tip um honestly i think i think it was the fear of not being able to finish the race i think that the fear of not finishing is what kept me pushing myself where i i had to like there was no other options i needed to finish this race and i needed to work on you know my stamina and just and just my physical strength to try to make it through some of these obstacles um and i had some challenging ones by the time it came to it you know three months down the road i was able to to finish and i actually in my age group i finished uh third um which i was not expecting at all that's impressive um yeah and overall in my category i in in my in my type of race i finished i think in like 39th place or something like that or 33rd something like that it was quite impressive you know over there was over like 500 people in my group so to finish that high was i I totally did not expect that i was just happy that i finished and when i saw the results come through i think that motivated me to do the next one in march again so i'm looking forward to it i'll I'll start training uh, probably in, in august i'm gonna give myself six months next time you're gonna be a lifer you're just gonna keep doing them I, I think so man it's 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 a lot of fun it's challenging and i just really like how it made me feel you know mentally and physically so yeah man it was it was awesome i, I loved it and i can't wait for it again 
Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, congratulations on that third third place in your age group. That's amazing. Yep. For your first time out. Yeah, thank you. What about you, Clint? What's going on with you? Ah, uh, man. I know it's been a lot, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's been like a different life pretty much, really. I guess we could start with the school, the school aspect of it with my daughter, Brooke. She was super happy to get back into, you know, full-time school. She's very social, so she was glad to get back with her friends and not stuck at home with me doing chores for, like, three hours of whatever school that they had prepared. You know, we were, it was kind of a, a big adjustment in terms of the involvement with the school because before I was PTA and got to got to do field trips and plan things and build structures that were backdrops for dances and stuff like that, this was where, you know, mask mandated the school parents they weren't allowed on campus at all uh there was no extracurriculars for most of the year until probably the last three months and they started like a dance team and that was it but uh, it, it was really good to see you know my daughter get that part of her life back because it, it definitely took a toll on her in the meantime during lockdown just being home just a lack of outward expression outside of the home. So there was a lot of things I was worried about going back into the school year that worked themselves out. I even had her set up with the one of the counselors there, the guidance counselors, just to make sure everything was going. And I mean, of course, everything was fine, kind of precaution. So that was a that was a good thing to get off my chest in terms of the worry of transitioning back to school. And then I guess personally for me, we, I mean, the last time I was telling y'all that we were looking at property and we may have found it by that time. I can't remember for sure. Anyway, we found 20 acres about an hour from where we were previously living and we closed on that in, I believe it was the end of summer last year, I immediately just kind of was like, yeah, uh, you know, we're just going to move out there. You know, I don't need a house or anything like that or electricity or water or anything. And I pretty much just started getting after it. I uh, started farming out here, transitioning the farm from our current place out to the new place. And that was kind of a wild ride throwing eggs in baskets to try and make the full transition sooner than I probably should have and crashing and burning and... <laughs> All good things, though, you know, in, in terms of the lessons learned. It's been really wild. Now we are, I mean, got the market garden up and going. We've got a handful of beef cattle out here, dozen and a half goats that we're using for uh, dairy land management, just overall environment of the farm. And then we've got our rabbits and chickens and ducks, turkeys. Uh, and then pigs are coming this week. So, and about half acre of market garden set up. So it's been fast. Uh, it, when I look at it, it feels like nothing's getting done, but it's moving pretty fast. Oh, and uh, I built my first house. The cabin is, uh, I built a 12 by 16 foot, just single cabin as a, up, just a temporary dwelling pretty much until we get planted out here and really get things going. And that's been an adventure in itself in terms of I've only ever built like chicken coops and sheds and stuff like that going to building uh, to code you know a house basically for my daughter and I to sleep in it's a little nerve-wracking but it's been pretty awesome how is she uh, uh how has Brooke felt about that like transitioning from I think you said you were staying with your mom before on I guess it was her farm how is Brooke I guess sort of adjusted to you guys just sort of going out to pretty much her and her own farm yeah so so my mom's place was she just had 
property. She wasn't doing anything there. And when we were looking for property, I decided I was just going to start farming there to do for various experiences and networking abilities. So I was farming there on her place. So the transition is really just how far out we are now. The adjustment there as well as, yeah, there is, it's just me and her. It's it's one of those things where, you know, kids, they get excited about the, the fun stuff. She's like, oh, I can't wait to just, I can't wait to just be out here. You know, and what she's saying is, I can't wait to skip all this really hard work of <laughs> taking completely raw land and having a nice set up house with all the cute babies running around in yeah. summertime playing in pools and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so she's, she says she's excited about that. It's where I'm still in the co-parenting situation I was before. And that is changing. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty difficult because we are running into quite a bit of roadblocks there. And on my mother-in-law side, course she's giving me difficulties but as well as brooke because that would mean transition of you know home transition of school transition of completely new community and friends and everything else it's really tough we're kind of that's kind of the part that taints the attractiveness of the whole farm for her so she'll have fun when she's out here and playing around she's a real trooper helping me out when reality sets in and she's reminded that this is a huge massive lifestyle change for her it, it takes its toll for sure but and and with that i mean i guess i guess this was a year ago so i hadn't i hadn't left my job at that point yet so i was still moving furniture and managing at a local company at that time part-time and then i guess a few months later after last father's day i left that job to just go completely full-time on my own and i didn't really have a plan i knew that i was helping other farms just with you know ranch hand type work and skilled labor like carpentry and plumbing electric things like that so i was just like well i don't want to work for other people it's not making me happy and it's not getting me you know where i want to be so i just started through instagram really was my networking tool and I had connected to all these local farms and homesteaders and gardeners and things like that. And when people found out that I was essentially a gun for hire, I mean, I haven't, I, I turned down work. So I, I just do pretty much everything under the sun now. I mean, I've built barns, I've built porches onto houses with, you know, lean to roofs on them, milk stalls. I've done garden revamps. I've done tree plantings, tree trimmings, land clearing. Yeah, I mean, I've pretty much anything that you can imagine on a farm, I, I, I pretty much do that now. So it's it's really cool in the sense that I'm able to work for myself, make my own hours. And I'm so busy here at our farm now where I kind of have to make my own hours. I can't really work for anyone else on their own time clock because my schedule doesn't allow for that. With all the chores I have to keep up with here. But also I get to work directly with, uh, you know, local farms and network in that way, as well as I spend time with the community I believe in and put my dollars back into the community I believe in. So it's been, it's been really cool doing that. I got to say, man, before uh, bringing up the next thing, you know, between meeting you, you know, even just going back to dad 2.0 and now, I just got to say, man, I'm proud of you. Like you've said from the beginning what you wanted to do. And it's really awesome to see you living it, man. Like just to see you living out what you said your dream was. I'm proud of you, man. Like I, I don't really know how else to say it. It's heartwarming to see you do it. I don't know. It just sort of warms the soul. 
to see you saying, I mean, it's been like what, almost two and a half years since we all met in person. And at that time to see you say, this is what I see for myself. This is what I want to do. And then to see you out there living it now, even though, you know, it's just maybe it's been going on for a year, but just to see you doing it, it's incredible, man. It's inspiring. It's awesome. I really appreciate that, man. Yeah, I, man, I agree a hundred percent. I remember, I remember the day I saw his Instagram page went from, you know, uh, the name of what it was before. What was it? Uh, It was uh, Lynn versus Brooke versus life or something like that yeah, yeah. over to fatherhood yeah, farms I, what, yeah, what i saw I from that to fatherhood farms i was like man i was like i mean it, it wasn't necessarily for me but it was a proud moment for me i was like man look at that like he he did it he's doing it man so that's <laughs> yeah yeah that is really cool man and and just watching you like i mean just you really share your story on instagram like on, on the stories and and you can see from like i mean from just the the evolution of of how that came about and to where it is today like it's impressive man and you just i mean you put in so much labor into that and have your daughter be a part of that i think that's like extremely special and it kind of really stands by what fatherhood farms is really all about i really appreciate y'all man it means a lot to hear that because you know i've 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 talked to some people you know like old friends and stuff like that and the way that i spoke to y'all uh about what i want to do but they have like preconceived notions about who I am and what I'm capable of. So it's not, they, they don't see it the same way y'all do. Y'all come in and I told you like, you know, my dream, what I want to do. And you know, that's for most people, me saying that it sounds like a very far off sort of thing, pipe dream, retirement plan sort of dream. And then, but I'm actually doing it. So y'all can kind of recognize it. Most people don't see it that way. So I don't, like, I don't get those. Like no one's really verbalized it like that. How y'all have to me right now. So uh, I really appreciate y'all saying that because it means a lot to hear it. And it's been really hard. (laughs) It's a physical and mental toll. So I, I really appreciate that. I mean, I can imagine. I mean, like you said, you moved on to pretty much a bare property. You built a cabin. You started from ground zero. I mean, that's not something that everybody can do. Just to see you living with intention and just putting out all that positivity into the universe, man. It, there's not enough of that going on in the world right now. It's just good to see, man. It's yeah, really and, and Clint, I, I mean, I, I know you remember this. Like when when Angel did that interview with you, like on on Instagram Live. Like mm-hmm. I, that was my first time, like really meeting you, and the yeah. way you opened up and just like you, I mean, totally vulnerable. And just really threw yourself out there and you were saying that you really don't do that so the fact that i kind of you know a, a lot of us did really from that 2.0 met you that way really could see like the person that you really are like the father that you really are the struggles that you went through i mean you've gone through so many challenges and really difficult times to go through all of those and and face some of the challenges that you were that you're going through by yourself you know uh, at times to where you're at now. I mean, that's, I think that's why, and, and then, you know, people like myself and, and Craig, like we, I mean, we're dads, we've gone through struggles ourselves. So to, you know, we just kind of relate, you know, we may not go through the same challenges as, as you did, but we kind of relate. We understand where you're coming from. So to see like, in a sense, like our brother kind of come yeah. from the struggles to where you're at now. I mean, that's, that's, like I said, it was a proud moment for me, you know, yeah. like in anybody going through those those things. I mean, my best friend or whatever, if he, you know, goes through some kind of like trials and tribulations, whatever, and makes it through to the other side. I mean, that that makes me happy, you know, to see somebody like make it make it to the point where where they want to get to. That's that's awesome, man. Thanks, man. Well, I, I yeah, we got it out the mud, you know. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to bring good. it back too. We, I said at the floor. I know last year you did it bigger with that Goggins race, and I think you did something 
a little different with it this year. You you took you participated, I think not as not into the level you did last year. I don't did you do something with it this year or you talked about doing something with it? So last year we did the farm tour where we did the four by four by forty eight. Yeah. That was nuts. Between um, six different farms and ran on the roadside and just camped out. And this year, we were trying to do something similar, but I was in a mental space where I had, I was holding some resentment for other people. I had done a lot of like outreach stuff and was getting shot down and wasn't finding community in the places that I was looking for it. Uh, and it was, things had been really difficult. And I, you know, I talked to my buddy and was like, hey, I don't feel like doing this, man. I just want to it be me and you and have some fun with it. Cause I don't, I don't want to put all this work into it and then be shot down by all these people. Cause I don't want to harbor feelings towards them. And that's not fair to them. Cause maybe they just don't want to do it. And that's, it's going to ruin it for me. So we just, we planned out a, a trail run to the four by and we went to a state park that's out here by our new farm set up camp and just did trail runs for the 48 miles and it was freaking awesome uh i i definitely did way better this year because uh one it was is easier not running in a slanted ditch so it's a lot easier <laughs> on your ankles right. it's still it's still trail running so it does beat up your feet in the sense that not flat ground sleeping was a lot better because we got to set up like tents and you know pads and so we came back and were able to just knock right out if we wanted to and that was really cool um and we picked up like trash along the way and stuff while we did it but we didn't necessarily do a big drive or cause to it other than at the end of it the fundraising that i pointed fingers towards was we had some tornadoes that came through our hometown uh, it's like probably the worst tornadoes we've had in over 10 years and they caused a lot of damage so we shared like links to gofundmes and uh work programs to help out clean up and stuff for, through grassroots uh, support projects so we did that but there wasn't a ton of like social media push out to any sort of efforts really we were just trying to have a good time and put in some miles so it was a lot of fun yeah i, I enjoyed this year we didn't get chased by dogs i didn't step on a glass bottle uh it's great <laughs> always a plus right so yeah. like just in terms of training like I, I like i mentioned before too you i noticed a dungeon has been moved outside how do you stay consistent with that and the reason i'm asking you in floor this is because this year has been sort of an uphill battle for myself uh just in terms of my own fitness so i'm just trying to take tips from people that I've seen staying consistent with it so I can try and incorporate them into my own routine due to my struggles. I'm all ears here. How do you, how do you keep yourself going? Like I know from what I've gathered from you, as long as I've known you, you've always been pretty disciplined with that. So how do you keep up with that? Uh, for me, it is a, uh, yeah, this is gonna, this is, this is where that toxic masculinity starts to come out a little bit. It's the this is a safe space, man. Let it all out. Yeah. It's the, you can do more. Like you're better than this. And it's when you start to get that excuse of, well, I don't have time for that. It's like, well, you do. It's like, you just have to make time for it. And, you know, I tell other people that, and I have to like, if I ever want to lead anyone or be an example for someone who, you know, we're not talking about just like physical fitness, but can bring themselves from a mental place of darkness and come out of that. If you want to be an example of that, I feel like you have to carry that example in every facet of your life. Yes, you can have weak moments, but I feel like overall, you need to be kind of on your game with everything. Because if it's your philosophy, that philosophy touches every aspect of what you do. 
mm-hmm. if that's not the case and it's probably not your philosophy it's just your opinion on certain subjects so for me it was okay i need to be i just need to be better and you can call that critical of yourself but it's like i want to i want my daughter to look at me like a superhero i want to say that yeah you can do all the things if you want to you don't have to but you can do all of it uh not only that but i believe like i said i left my job moving furniture i've been doing that for 16 years and now i'm not and so while i work outside every day i mean literally sun up to sundown i am in the sun every day but i i am not working nearly as hard i i've said this before the only physical activity that comes close to the job I used to do is CrossFit and it's like imagining doing CrossFit for eight straight hours every single day on the short end so my body has noticed those things my joints are tighter my muscles are tighter I'm not as limber Uh, my blood circulation is down Uh, my cardiovascular is down and I was starting to notice those things because I was still lifting weights, but not as much cardio endurance training as I would have just gotten from my regular job. So I was like, man, I'm, I don't feel as good. I don't feel like my body is operating cleanly. It feels sluggish and things like that, but I don't like that I'm getting certain pains because I'm not as active. So I stepped up, you know, my, my physical activity with fitness uh, and that's helped out a lot. And for me, it, it affects my emotional state. It affects like just my overall clarity in my thought process and being able to concentrate on things and drive to do other things in my life. So when I'm on top of my nutrition and my training, I just do better across the board with everything. And that includes being a father because it just gives me more patience because I'm not as wound up. Uh, you know, it, I, I try to describe it to people as if you've ever had restless leg syndrome when you go to bed. It's the same thing for me. If I'm not, if I haven't exhausted my energy through the day, then I mentally have that restlessness. And I'm going to take it out somewhere. So to answer your question in a little condensed way is it's just about me being an optimal person and me being the person I want to look up to. Because like I said, what I'm trying to do, I don't necessarily have a role model for myself. So I'm trying to be that role model for other people that I'm trying to give the advice to. Yeah, I think that's good. And, and I think to say, I mean, to look at yourself and say you're better than that, I, I don't necessarily think that's really overly harsh or critical. You should always want the best for yourself. You can't really always rely on other people. And I mean, especially, you know, as adults with families and, you know, kids and stuff. Sure, you, you're definitely going to take care of your kids and your families, you know, first and overall. Taking care of yourself is also important too. Like you said, it, it kind of bleeds into everything else. You can do more for other people when you're taking care of yourself first and foremost in terms of your health, your mental health, physical health, all that stuff. So another facet of that is I'm really big on dual coin personality side or kind of the feminine masculine energies matching up together for me. Uh, And I try to embrace the extremes of those both sides in a healthy way toward being extremely vulnerable and emotional in a, a very open way to my community while also having you know, trying to get to peak performance physically and really expressing my masculinity in that way and having them match up together in a healthy ways is really important for me and displaying that to other men that you can have this thing. I don't believe that they're the toxic masculinity is a thing. I believe it's when it's imbalanced with the feminine energy that it becomes a problem. So you can do both sides of it. And here's an example of that. 
that's a that's a big thing. And before you go on, I did want to shout out or really give him props for the City Dads group effort because I'm struggling over here in Austin, man. It is so hard. I, y'all are doing a great job, and I just I respect you a lot for that. So I just wanted to shout that out to you. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate that. But man, it wasn't easy in the beginning when we first tried to kick it off. We thought we had these great events that everybody was going to come out to, and it was only the co-organizers that showed up. Sometimes just two of us, and that was it. But I mean, we just we just kind of kept pushing through it. I, I think the evidence of us being there and showing that you know that we showed up, we had a good time, regardless of who was there or not. Um, I think really started to drive the curiosity. And eventually, I mean, people just started reaching out, sometimes uh, sending us messages, asking questions like, hey, I have a nine-year-old daughter, do you do stuff for them? Or I have boys, like, or I have older boys or younger kids or babies. And people start to ask questions. And it's like, I mean, yeah, we'll do, we'll do whatever, whatever it is like that you're looking for, we'll make it happen. And I think something that also helped us out this time around is we're kind of getting out of the same old places we always go to. Of course, there's some favorites, but we're we're now we're just we're just experimenting. We're trying out different places, going to new spots, and just recently we uh, did something at a at a local brewery, and the owner reached out to us, and now we're hosting our Father's Eve event um, at their at their brewery, and it's hopefully going to be an awesome partnership. So far, it has been, but yeah, man, and that's because we just wanted to try out this new spot. And, and look what happened. So, so far it's working. Um, we're getting bigger and bigger turnouts every time. So man, just don't give up, man. Just keep on going, try new stuff. I mean, just, just show up as long as you show up. I think it really shows that, you know, it, it shows that the group is strong with you. So just keep on going, man. It, it'll happen. Yeah. It's, it's encouraging to hear, man. Congrats on that. Uh, I just, I need like one other guy to show up with me consistently. So it's not <laughs> just me. And they're like, oh, yep, that same dude's there. I'm going to wait for some other people to show up. That's the real struggle. And interestingly enough, it was because when I was really active on the, the dad's group social, not, I won't get too into this. The businesses, like, they want to work with you. Like, especially oh, yeah. the small uh, grassroots businesses, they reach out and they talk to you and they want to host events. And that's that's super encouraging. So uh, I am excited for when that starts to build up. But uh, it's really good to hear and see y'all getting after it. So keep that up, man. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. I'm actually kind of curious to hear more, Clint. So you basically started Austin like from the ground up. Like I remember that was I remember you were talking about that at the time. You basically started that group and you're just having issues, I guess, getting the word out to get people to come. No, no, no. I, I think it would have been easier if I, if it was a new group that started up. So uh, what okay. happened is I did it when I was first getting into, you know, the dad space on social media. I found I was looking for a grief support and bereavement groups on Meetup. And then I stumbled across City Dads groups and I joined that and it wasn't active. And then I received an email. It was a mass email from, I believe it was Matt, or maybe it was Lance up in New York mm-hmm. to basically call to action for leadership. And I reached out and was like, I, I want it. Like I happened to catch that email like an hour after he sent it and hopped on it and took over. We discussed me, you know, getting on the leadership team and that we would both be at dad two in, you know, a month. So he's like, well, how about we meet up at dad two? We'll talk about it. And if things go well, we'll, you know, we'll give you the reins. Things went well. We had a great conversation and our, our visions kind of aligned. And when I got back, they kind of handed the keys over to me and I mean, like two weeks later, lockdown hit. <laughs> right. So, 
it was a it's an inactive group it's kind of been inactive for i don't know like a year nothing really going on and then lockdown hits and i'm like well rebuilding a, a group that was supposed to be meeting in person is hard enough but then you add in lockdown where we can't meet up in person as you know <laughs> basically give up so it was like that for two years and i just was showing up to meetings and i set two different meetings and had a few guys show up but nothing consistent and now that we're pretty much open here lance reached out and was like hey let's really kind of start to push it and i've been kind of slacking on that Half slacking, half strategic in that I knew uh, the workload I have here right now and when I can really commit to that. So I'm actually announcing some new stuff on the, the dad's group on tomorrow on Monday morning, uh, trying to get things back going again. So hopefully that goes well. Yeah, it's difficult because there's no like the group is building in numbers, but the engagement is what's hard to get after. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I didn't start it. I just kind of took it over and have been trying to breathe some life back into it slowly, but surely. Yeah. I think that's, that's probably the hardest part. Like people will join. Well, I mean, it's like most social media people will follow or at least watch, but it, it's hard to get people to actually engage. People yeah. don't always come out. So. And when that's the basis of the group, <laughs> right. Of, yeah. The mark there. Yeah. Clint, I mean, something that you can probably, um, use, I, I know we're going on uh, about the city dash group, but I think it's also awesome, you know, for others to hear about it. So they know like, Hey, in the city near them, there might be some people in Austin listening. So let's yeah, exactly. get at it. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, one, one thing I did to try to target, you know, just to try to increase that engagement and having people come out, uh, the attendance and all, is I uh, looked up to see who actually joined recently. And I kind of looked at, because you can, uh, they put where specifically what city or what area or town, neighborhood that they're a part of. And I started bringing the events to them, to those new members, basically making it easy for them to come out. So instead of just going to a spot that you normally go to or somewhere that you think might be good, just look at where these members are actually coming from, like what neighborhood or what town, village, whatever it is, what, where specifically do they reside and just, and just, you know, kind of look at a general area, you know, whatever has the most new members from, take it to them. And I think that has helped us bring in, I want to say, I mean, in the last couple of events, we've had at least one new dad come out because it was, you know, close to him. So and nice. who knows, maybe others from who are a little bit further will come out as well. Um, it'll also help you explore new spots, you know, experiment with different things and, and see what works. Bringing it to them I will help them and just make it easy for them. Like, oh, this is just down the street from my house. Let me check it out. Yeah, for sure. That's that's a really good point. That's a good tip. And, and in the future, you know, I'm hoping that if we can get the group going, you know, I, I would love to collaborate with City Dads groups in terms of Fatherhood Farms and sponsor events and invite people out here and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm still 100% committed to that. I see that as a really fruitful partnership. So mm -hmm. collaboration. So, yeah, uh, I, I'm definitely still in it. So I guess I guess it's my turn. Um, when we were doing this interview last year, I was about, gosh, like two, three weeks from getting engaged. I knew that was in the pipeline, but she listened. So I couldn't say anything, obviously, because I didn't <laughs> want to ruin the surprise. Uh, so I think, well, if you listen to the last couple episodes, she is not a U.S. citizen. So to get the paperwork started on that, we actually eloped before she went back home. Well, she is a teacher. So before she left, she was out for the summer. Before she left, we got married. We eloped. That was the biggest thing that happened last year. Second biggest. Yeah, man. Thank you. Yeah. It was a, a big one, <laughs> a long time coming, took a lot of work, a lot of healing, 
a lot of self-work to get to the spot to be able to do that uh, and actually meeting the right person too, obviously. That was a big one. Second biggest thing, I worked at a company for 15 years and left that job at the end of last year. I had to make a change. It was time for something new, time for some growth. But I actually think, uh, I guess one of the better things that happened was just like you guys said, just schools being opened back up. It was super huge for my daughter. I'm like, I'm sure you guys noticed. Uh, I think my daughter's the oldest. She just turned 14 in March. The school years for her now being in middle school, those years are like super important for her because this is like where she's really transitioning into becoming you know like a woman things like social life and you know being around other other people is like really big for her you know when COVID first hit I think I mentioned it even in last year's episode like I really really noticed a difference in terms of you know her well-being and just sort of mental attitude around things like I could tell she was depressed because like her number one thing is soccer and that was pretty much taken away from her for all of 2020 so for her not to be able to do that and then just to see how that affected her it was you know kind of heartbreaking because it's like you know what can you do you know nothing really there's not any soccer going on anywhere you know you can go out and kick a ball around with her but if parks are closed there's not really much you can do so just to have a yeah seventh grade was so school here it's kindergarten through sixth grade is elementary seventh and eighth is middle school and then ninth through twelfth is high school transitioning from school shutting down in sixth grade the last year of elementary school then going to middle school that's like a pretty big deal for the kids because that's supposed to be the first year where they're not in the same classroom all day they switch you know different periods and have you know their own lockers and all that stuff supposed to be a pretty big deal sort of like a rite of passage she kind of had that taken away in seventh grade I think at the end of the year they had sort of the hybrid where I think they were in school maybe twice a week and then home for the other three days that was only for like maybe the last two months of the school year so the year was kind of a wash really in terms of you know social interaction so to have her get all that back this year was huge because I mean it's only a two-year thing she had a few friends there from elementary school but because nobody really got to see each other for a year nobody was really that close and she didn't really get to make a whole lot of new friends but this year it was like night and day she was kind of like back to how she was you know soccer was back I mean she wasn't happy with you know getting up early every day to go to school Monday through Friday (laughs) but you know being able to see her friends and stuff every day that was super big for her so now it's uh off to high school next year which is kind of nerve-wracking for me because I just found out two weeks ago that she got a boyfriend now. So the boys are starting to come around and it, that's right, Floor. As he grabs his forehead, it's over. Oh, <laughs> exactly. So... Yeah, it's uh, it's been sort of a whirlwind couple years for that. But yeah, we'll deal. It's it's a fact of life. I'm just kind of teasing. Yeah, it's good to see her just kind of bounce back and be her ch- cheerful self, and just to see her interact with her friends and stuff like that. It's it's uh, I mean, things are kind of going back to normal, so it, it, it's good. I just feel kind of bad that those years were kind of taken away. I mean, nothing you can really do about it, but you should have brought the boyfriend on this podcast so we can all screen him. Well, I mean, I don't, you know how, how how the kids are, the young kids in love. Who knows if it'll last? Summer's coming up you know maybe yeah. who knows if they'll stay in touch man so yeah, that's good man um I, I wanted to ask you how was how was the uh, like your everything with your daughter with with the marriage and and you know just you know now dad is moving on like how was that transition you know did she go through any kind of like emotions and all of that yeah you know I was actually well I mean I thought about this a lot you know leading up to the engagement and all that it's a big deal because prior to my wife I'd only introduced my daughter to one other woman I'd been with and it was one other sort of long-term relationship I had been with after the divorce from my daughter's mom, my ex-wife. And so she doesn't have a lot of experience. Well, she's not seen me date anybody. I really kept people away just because 
I didn't want to bring a lot of people around unless I knew it was going to be serious, which only happened to be one person. So, I mean, that was a big concern for me because, yeah, and I wasn't sure how she was going to react, if she was going to feel like it was some kind of threat towards her mom, even though her mom and I separated when she was about one and a half. So it's really all she's ever known is us not being together. So she doesn't even remember us being together at all. So, you know, sort of eased the two of them into meeting each other slowly. And my wife's been here a bunch of times and I've taken my daughter there to the Dominican where my wife's from a, a handful of times too. So they've gotten quite a bit of alone time together and they get along great. It's awesome. There's no drama, no tension. My daughter loves her and she loves my daughter. So it's just, I think I showed during the day of the, like the small wedding ceremony we had, there's a picture I showed where we're sort of doing our vows. And there's like, my daughter's like kind of over my shoulder and she's just got this super happy look on her face, like this huge, like toothy grin and smile. It, like I looked at that picture and I'm like, I know that she's completely down with this. And it was you just- know, I remember that. Like, that was a good picture, man. Yeah. I was you like, know? I, I know that I, I picked the right person. Person. my daughter's completely on board with this and yeah like whenever my wife comes and goes and then you know when I'm like you know she's going to be coming back you know my daughter gets excited and of course you know whenever I'm going to take her there she knows she's getting beach time she's like oh yeah I can't wait to go see her so <laughs> got that but yeah I mean that that was really one of my biggest concerns I and mean, I'm sure it is for you know any single parent bringing anybody around you know how's my daughter going to react because you get to a point where it's like you can't really let your kid dictate the whole relationship but it's like how can you really settle down with somebody if your kid doesn't get along with them and doesn't like them fortunately yeah, I was not true. faced with that but it's like how do you make that decision if it comes down to it so yeah but I at, at the same time too so my my wife teaches kids that are around her age or a little bit younger so she knows how to relate to kids that age too so that was definitely helpful yeah it's been pretty smooth so far so she'll be back here for the summer again uh second week of july nice looking forward to that yeah just uh, that's good man i'm happy for you man thanks i appreciate that it's been a it's been a wild couple of years man <laughs> yeah, I think to say the least us, yeah, yeah no kidding i mean I, I i can't believe it's been two and a half years since dad 2.0 i mean looking back it's like oh it wasn't that long ago but you're like man a lot's happened in these two oh, yeah. and a half years so i guess that sort of leads to the uh the other elephant in the room i mean we're sort of in the uh, wake of the uh uvalde tragedy it seems like this kind of stuff is becoming more and more common. And I, Clint had an amazing post on Instagram. I think it was last week. He had some great points in there. But one of the things I wanted to kind of focus on was, I mean, this is like the second or third time this year that I've had to talk to my kid about just sort of what's going on. Like, how do you explain another school shooting to your child? So I just like, how do you guys, if your kids are even aware of it, how do you talk to them about difficult things like this? And I, I mean, my daughter's at the age where, yeah, she's all over social media. So she sees every everything, all the memes, and she's starting to watch the news. Like, I mean, for example, the day that Uvalde happened, I always work from home and I've got just a TV on in the background, just sort of like it's background noise. Most of the day I'm working, but I hear something's going on, but I'm not fully paying attention. And she had soccer practice that day and we're getting ready to leave. And I just kind of looked over, I'm wrapping up work and she's kind of staring at the TV. And then that's when I look up and finally sort of digest like what really just happened. This was about... This is about five o'clock. So it was after everything was done and they're just kind of cleaning everything up and investigating. And she just kind of looks at me and she's got this sort of, she didn't look scared or sad. It was just kind of an empty look like, cause the way the news is showing it, there's like the scene where there's just sort of like blood all over the sidewalk. And she's just kind of confused. Like, you know, dad, what is this? What's going on? Like what happened? And you know, I've got to tell her like, you know, some 
some guy just kind of lost it and went in and just started killing a bunch of elementary school kids. You know, he starts asking why, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I haven't seen enough of what's going on. The police are going to investigate. I'm sure we'll get more information, you know, as they get to the bottom of things, you know, it's a crazy world. And it, it actually made me remember, I don't know if it was this year or late last year, there was a situation in Michigan where the kid was called in with his parents and the school told the parents to take the kid with them. And they said no. And they sent the kid back to school. And then he started shooting up the classroom. And then the parents ran. And I think the, the police were chasing the parents, I think, up and down the East Coast for a couple of days, I think. But there was a situation after that at my daughter's school where in one of the bathroom stalls, some kid drew some graffiti saying he was going to shoot up the school later on that same week. And the school sent an email about it. I saw, like, I wanted to talk to my daughter about it. And she was like, I asked her if she heard about it. And she was like, oh, yeah. She's like, somebody had sent her a picture of it. And I saw the picture. And I mean, it was like a juvenile picture. You could look at it and say, the words weren't spelled right. The picture looked terrible. So you could just look at it and say, somebody was just being stupid and playing a prank. You know, I had to explain to her, like, this is why you can't joke about this. This is a serious thing. Sure, to you guys, you think it's funny. But as a parent, you know, this is why you can't do this. But of course, at the same time, it's like this kid said he was going to shoot the school up on this day. I'm not sending my kid to school that day just to be safe, because what if something actually does happen? Not to go on any further with that, but like, how do you guys address those kinds of topics with your kids? Like when, when they ask you, like, how do you, as I mean, some things they're not going to be old enough to really understand. They're not mature enough because they don't really have a wide enough worldview. Floor, how would you address that with your child if she was even aware of what was going on? Um, You know, this these things that keep happening you know these shootings are it's pretty stressful you know it's it, you, you kind of develop like this this anger towards all the stuff that's happening and it's but it's also like you have this deep like hurt of all the stuff that happens my daughter's school and it's crazy to say this um you know, I remember when I was in school, we had to do fire drills. Mm -hmm. That was the only drill I really knew of. Now there's all these additional things that happen because of all these events that take place, that has taken place and gotten worse over the over years. So my daughter knows why, or like knows why these drills happen. But with this recent situation, Honestly, it's been, it's been difficult to talk to her about it, you know, how, especially without getting like so emotional about it. I remember seeing this, I was at work and it just popped up like on a news feed, like at work, I, I was, I was, I was shocked. I was speechless once again to see this. And I mean, and, and I just remember like hearing like all, all the children that had their lives taken away too soon. And, and just, I just, I mean, just my eyes getting watery about it, you know, like it's, it's, it's sad. It makes me angry. It hurts. And I honestly, at, up to this point, I really don't know how to go into that with my daughter. I haven't had a full blown conversation with the recent event in Uvalde, but she understands why her drills have to happen at school. I mean, what do you do as a parent, you know? Like, your kids have to go to school. You know, some parents can, can homeschool, some can't. What do, what do those parents have to do when they send the kids to school? And just not knowing, you have no idea. And it's not even school. You can go to the grocery store. You can go to, to whatever event, some hangout, a wedding. I mean, you just never know what person is just going to cross that path at that time. And it's just, it's, it's a difficult conversation. I, I really don't know how to, I think that's a part in, in my, in my parenting life that how do you, how do you go into it? How, how do you talk to her? You know, how do you get a nine-year-old to understand what's going on? How do you explain that to them? You know, they're, they're so innocent in their way of thinking 
and, and they just want to know like why why would somebody do that it's it's really hard to dive deep into it for a nine-year-old to have them understand but i mean all we could do is our best and just really explain to them like you know just safety in general and then just to i mean every time you go into something to be careful look over your shoulder but it's also sad that we have to tell our kids to do that you know it's sad that we have to tell our kids to do that it's for anybody it's sad for anybody to have to do that to go down aisle two to grab some milk but you have to look over your shoulder i mean you 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 just never know and it's and that's the part that just makes me so upset is i mean we're not safe anywhere you know not even in our own home sometimes and it's just tough. I mean, so my answer to that is, man, it's it's hard. How do you get to, how do you get through to a nine year old to understand what's happening in this world today, yeah. and not even in this world, in our country? And I know, I think I mentioned this too last year. I feel like just my living proximity closer to D.C., I feel like we're definitely bombarded by more of just you know the political stuff of what's going on and just you know it's especially difficult with a 14 year old in social media it's just kind of like you know well what is she seeing what is she hearing because at the same time you know you want to try and teach your kids to be open-minded because there's definitely a lot of I guess back and forth and, and fighting and it's hard trying to raise my daughter to just sort of be like hey you know it's okay to disagree with somebody but you know at least listen to what they're thoughts and what their opinions are on something just never fully cut somebody off without at least giving them a chance to explain first and i think you know we need more of that but it, it was a tough one to explain and it, it it's the last couple of years just explaining everything going on in the world between covid and why are we doing this and why are we doing that and it's you're just kind of like i have no idea <laughs> i don't know what to say but what about you clint how do you address that with brooke i would say it's easy for me to address these sort of things not not easy emotionally but easy from a this is why life is so important this is why the decisions you make and the intentions you set from day one in the morning to the end of your day from the time you're born to the time you die why living with a purpose is so important because we live in a world full of emotional beings that need to be tended to and when we're so out of tune with each other, we get overlooked, we get isolated, and people crumble within themselves. And if we don't start being better just humans and to the core without focusing so much on the production of what we're going to do in our life, we're just going to keep going down this rabbit hole. So for me, and you know, my, my daughter from an early age has not been afforded the opportunity to live a life of innocence. So she's become very familiar with death from a young age, uh, and I have not shied away from that ugly side of life. In fact, I've emboldened it to highlight the beauty of your living existence. So when I talk to her about these things, and we'll, we'll, we'll take this as an example, but I talk to her about multiple things that happen because this is a very big problem. This is just one that has hit the news in a very big way, but this isn't anything new and it's not rare anymore. But for me, when I saw it come up, all I could see was my daughter's class. They were the same age, the same demographic, same kind of working class part of town. So for me, it was like looking at my daughter's class and all of her friends and it, it, it hit me really hard because one, it's geographically close to home, but it is just so a representation of the possibilities of what could happen in my own life. So I connected I connected with Angel, who we all know. He was taking a group of people out to Uvalde just to kind of show love and support and bring donations and just be just physically showing up, pouring love. And 
I saw it as great opportunity to go out there and do that because as I expressed, I don't have a way to be a big financial contributor to the needs that happen in the wake of these events. However, in the wake of these events, it's the little things that are often overlooked, like just genuine support and love to other people. So I wanted to make that trip. And more importantly, I wanted to bring my daughter with me. And I took her with me and we went down there. And among the other things that we did that were really beautiful when we were going out there, I had to explain to her because in her household, it's a very protected household in that, you know, the adults don't want to talk about those things with her, you know, her grandmother, my mother-in-law. So I had to explain to her the entirety of the situation. And of course you get the, why did this happen? And you give, you can give the facts and those are complicated for a child to understand because they just lead to more why. So you have to get to the root of why this happened. And I explained to her in the same way I explained to her everyday interactions with other children at school. And so you see a kid that's acting out. Maybe he's a bully. Maybe he is a loner or she is sassy or moody or disrupt. Whatever it is, that it very rarely is a child's core characteristics. That is that that's a that's a quite possibly a cry for help or maybe it's just a hey i just want to be noticed and be valued so you don't know these children's at home situations and maybe they're in a they're in a household that there is no parent present because they have to work so they're around older siblings so all they know is rough housing and pranks and being mean to each other so they carry that to school because that's the only personality trait that they took on and they carry that, so they're ignored by other children in the class. And that just compounds that from elementary school all the way up to high school. And then you, you give birth to these emotional beings that have been ignored for so long. And by the time they reach that age of getting into adulthood, they're just so closed off that the world feels helpless. And now they have to get attention in some way because no one will listen to their words, but they have to respect their actions. And I believe that's what is happening here. Especially with men, because if you look at it, these are all men doing these things. And this plays back into this this masculine state of mind that we live in where you get the older generation that says, this didn't happen back in my day. It's like, well, we can't continue to parent the way you did in a new day and age. It's not the same world. We have to change the way we parent. There has to be an emotional presence in the home now because it's just way too complex with everything these children are exposed to, like you said, with your daughter. The constant stream of just facts and emotion, it's an overload to a child's nervous system. That needs to be stimulated by a healthy parent-child relationship because they can't navigate that sort of influx of feelings. So you have to be there to do it. But unfortunately, we, we conduct ourselves within a system that is not set up for a parent being in the household for the majority of the time with their child. So... A child is left to fend for themselves emotionally and mentally with these things, and it's very destructive. A child doesn't have time to be a child. When you when you rob a child of that, you create an adult that is dangerous. So for me, I explained to my daughter, this right here is exactly why daddy is doing what he's doing. This is why I've left my job. This is why, yeah, I'm struggling financially, and I know we can't have all the things, but it's more important to me to have an effect on this world which is the society that you are going to grow up in. Because if nobody starts doing this, if we don't all start doing this, then this is going to become a very bad place to be in. And I refuse to sit by and let that happen to you in your future. So I get down to the very root of the problem rather than try to 
explain the, just the facts of why this happened and get into the politics of things because at the end of the day, the politics don't, they have a very small effect because you can do all of the restrictions and all of the reform that you want and, you know, proactive things in the schools, but bad things can still happen. There's, there's a lifetime of opportunity for bad things to happen. So what do you do? You have to fix the people. And that's why you have to be compassionate to others. And like you said, being open to other people's opinions. You can disagree, but you cannot shut them down. Because if you continue to shut people's ideals down and what they believe to their core to be right, and they're not able to use their words, what are they going to do next? Have to use their action because they're not left with any other option. So for me, there is no important thing, no more important thing to, than to be able to communicate these things from the very root of the problem to my child. And I would say that she's more apt to be able to receive that information in that way because of what she's already walked through in her life. But I believe it is applicable to young children to be able to just break it down in a very simple way to say, look, this is why you have to be nice to people. This is why when you see people, you say hello, because that's just that's you're you're letting people know that they're there. You're noticing, hey, you're alive. I'm here with you. This is, we're all here together. It's a simple thing, holding doors, having conversations, saying thank you to your lunch lady because you don't know what they're going through. So your everyday interactions, no matter what you're doing, matter. And just because life has dealt you a garbage hand does not mean you get to treat other people like garbage. And so that's kind of how I break it down to my daughter. It's It's beneficial to do it in that way for me because it doesn't, it makes me seem not like just some crazy farmer that wants to, do all these things that she can't understand, but I get to say, hey, this is what I believe in. This is why I'm doing this. It's because these things can't wait to be addressed. They need to be done now. And while I seem like a crazy person, it's even more crazy what's happening to people. Because, and and like I wrote about in the post that you referred to, it was just, I get overcome with the guilt. I'm affected in trying to enjoy my own child life when I know that this is happening. And I I just, I can't sit by and not do something. At this point, I don't have a choice not to take action, not to communicate these real world problems to not only my child, but to other children. And that's why these city dads groups are so important, is encouraging other dads to take this kind of action. That's why it's so important for you know fathers and mothers to be involved in school systems, because, well, yeah, that's great for your child, but also it connects you to other people within that school system, too. My daughter's whole entire class, not just her class class, but her whole grade, like they know me. I get to go there and, you know, kids hug on me. And, that, you know, that may just be that, but that may also be because they're requiring more love than they're currently getting. So you can be that, that person for other children, too. That's why it's so important. You know, maybe another dad or another mom has to work full time and they can't be at home with their child. So you being there at school to give them a portion of that love and understanding and acceptance, they're getting a piece of that and maybe that might help them at home or later in life. So that's why it's so important to be so interactive with your local community, because these small things do ripple out into people's future actions in life. I think uh, you raised a couple of good points and you mentioned it again here on the show today, but especially in that Instagram post you made just about the, uh, the sense of community. Like I know within a few days of, you know, the, the Uvalde thing taking place, you know, listening to, I guess, the, the kids, uh, 
I guess his mom and the mom's boyfriend and the neighbors to his grandparents where I guess he was living because he wasn't living with his mom anymore. Um, and then even some of the kids' friends, the way they talked about him, um, it was clear they all knew that he was having some kind of mental health struggles. Just the fact that nobody felt like they should speak up and say anything to try and get him the help that he needed. Like, I, I'm not saying that anybody could have predicted that he would have done what he did. I just kind of wondered what just happened to the sense of community. Like, I've got a family member who needs help that I can see they need help, or I've got a friend who's struggling and I can see he needs help. Why can't you, I guess, tell somebody that you know somebody struggling and needs help? Just, just the whole sense of community is just beyond me. I, I don't know if it's just the times we live in, but I, my perspective, I can't imagine knowing a friend or a family member that was in need of help and then just not doing anything, just letting it go. It's, well, it's because it's become this socially awkward sort of thing. And there's just a big disconnect where we find, we find the connections through our phones and social media rather than finding these connections directly in person. Where when we get into a face-to-face conversation with somebody, there's an awkwardness there. There's an awkwardness in male-to-female communication because, you know, maybe, maybe a man is, how do I say it? Maybe he's too upfront and he's flirty and things like that. And that has damaged the communication pathways between male and female. And then maybe two men look very different and that one is their small stature and one's a big and there is an intimidation factor. And so they don't communicate. And then you know, just that carries into everything. So now if we don't look exactly the same or do the same sort of things, then we just don't communicate. There is no... When we... You know, 20 years ago, or, you know, even further back, when we depended on each other for literal survival, when we were buying things within our communities, and we were so connected, you didn't have a choice but to communicate with each other. And we just really lost touch on how to even talk to each other, even about like simple things. It used to be it was just hard to talk about hard things. But now it feels like it's just hard to talk, period. Like kindness is kind, outward kindness is a strange thing to do with people. Because they don't know how to accept that because they only know the crazy things they see in the news. Yeah. So they, they're not used to just genuine kindness and connection in person from a stranger. All they know are news feeds and Facebook posts and things like that. So and I'm not bashing social media completely. Uh, it, it's a tool, but it's, it, can be, it can be a deadly one. Yeah, so, good and bad. Yeah, I, don't, I, I just think we've lost touch on how to communicate effectively in healthy ways. So. Yeah, you raise a good point. Yeah, and you, you guys, I mean, talk about community and, and, and Clint, I know you mentioned like getting to the root of the problem. And it's interesting how, I mean, you, you said all these, all these shootings are happening, they're, they're all men um, and young, young at that. Um, I, I was curious as to like, like why, you know? Um, and I mean, I know the real reason why they went down the path that they went down, but um, I found some stats that was very interesting. It was like um, out of 18.4 million children in, in the whole country, one, one of four children are w- without a father figure, a father, adopted father, stepfather, just no father figure at home. And, and what issues that can lead down the road for these children and some of them is like, you know, they're more likely to commit a crime, more likely to have behavior problems, more likely to 
you know, uh, get seven times more, more, more likely to get pregnant, you know, things, things like that, or to drop out of school, like all these issues that, that they encounter like in, in their life because of not having uh, some sort of father figure at home. And, and that really like just blew me away and just trying to figure out like, well, Clint, Clint said, like, just try to get to the root of the problem. I was like, okay, how, where, where can this be fixed? Like how, how can we as a community do something about it? And something that has been just like, I, I just, this idea that I've been having with, um, and it's something that I'm going to be having a conversation with the school system soon, starting with my daughter's school is, is there a way that I can be some sort of impact to these children in school? I mean, this is elementary school, you know, can, can it, can it start there? Uh, I, I think absolutely. You know, some of these children don't even know their father for the, for their whole life. Um, they don't have that male figure. They don't have that father figure or big brother or, or role model that that can help, you know, provide that, you know, the, the moms usually like, you know, provide that nurture. And then the dads are like, you know, the protector or, you know, you know, just offering that kind of, you know, just thing for the children that are missing that. And I think being a part of that can, I mean, if, if the next generation down the road, if that number goes down, you know, the amount of children dropping out or the amount of children who grow up to, you know, have less, be involvement in less crimes and stuff, I think, I mean, that, that's, that's a start, you know, I'm not saying I, I can, I can fix the world. I'm not saying I can fix the country, but if I can just start somewhere and, you know, eventually have people join me in that, I think that's a big step. And for these children who are, encounter who may be encountering issues you know some of these kids don't know these kids don't take their problems to school they hide it mm -hmm. because of what like, like what clint said i mean we we come to the point where now we really don't share anything we don't share anything nobody's don't don't they don't try to put themselves out there like that so these kids you know grow up basically putting all these problems in a bubble and later on in the future that bubble eventually is not going to hold everything it's, it's gonna burst one time you know uh, one day and that can happen you know it's okay to be vulnerable it's okay to talk about you know certain things but also us as men and, and fathers I think have to play some kind of part and I know we talked about like the city dads group like that being a big part you know that's us with other men you know is there a way that we can provide that get through to the children who are missing that who are missing that father figure you know can we be that big brother or or that male figure that they're really looking for, you know, because kids need that. Kids need that, and and sometimes they're they're vocal about it. Sometimes they're not. They they don't admit it. But having that, I think, is just as important as having moms in their lives. So I, I feel like that is one way where we just need to play a part as a community. Is is how can we provide for these children? You know, do do our part to the children who are, are missing, you know, either parent. And I, I think that's, I, that's, a, that's a huge step. I think you, I think you don't, you don't need to change the world for, right? You, Cause that's too much for you. Exactly. If you try to save the world then you're going to, you're going to get exhausted and you can't do that. Right. You got to change your small bubble and you have yeah. to encourage those other men and those other women around you to start changing their small bubble. You oh, absolutely. You, you just, you embolden your community to start investing into their own community because this is a, mm -hmm. a socioeconomic problem because parents have a hard enough time providing. It's, it shouldn't, and I'm not a socialist or anything, but it shouldn't be this hard to just raise a healthy family and be happy. And when your baseline is survival, you can't even focus on quality of life. 
And if you can't focus on quality of life, you can't produce quality human beings. That's just, it's a simple fact. So doing small Absolutely. things and encouraging other community leaders and parents to do small things, that, that makes massive change. It's, it's, the, it's not giving up that you can't change the world, but you can change your community. It's just don't give up at that thought, you know, being a, being a small fish. It doesn't matter. And I, yeah, it is small things like that. Like I, like I said, just, just being involved in the school. I mean, like, like you said, the big brother, big sister program. Mm-hmm. Those are all, all things that you could get involved with. And just you're, when you're focusing in on the father's statistics, I, there, there's obvious things there that are, you know, the whole role model thing. But I think it's more of a just single parent household statistic more than just a fatherless household statistic, because it's just I feel like when you're missing one or the other, you get a just a different subset of problems rather than the ones that are related to fatherless or motherless. It's just a different set of problems when you lose that side. But overall, it's just a single parent household because it adds in just so much more stress than even just, you know, what we have to go through in our life and it's very hard for a parent as a single parent to even be a parent it's just they have to just be a provider at that point and hope that they get to a point when their children have already reached adulthood and can work for themselves then to dial back their work and start spending quality time by the time that happens you have a developed human being that is very hard to change and they're pretty much on their own so yeah i mean i think it is just small steps i think it's just what we're doing right now, letting other men, other women, let them know that it's okay to be part of a community. It's okay to communicate. It's okay to talk about this stuff. And maybe, hey, search out some alternative lifestyles that require you, or not require you, but allow you to be with your family more. And I think that is happening more if you look at numbers in terms of, uh, you know, college graduates degrees and uh, reaching out to, you know, less in the universities and more in trades and small businesses and agriculture lifestyles. That is happening more than ever. Um, but this is like, you know, 100, 200 year plan. This is going to take generations to really get a hold of because we have to work on old dogs, new tricks with, uh, you know, the generation before us, our generation, our children, and then hope that our children grow up a little bit better and aware of the problems that we're talking about right now, raise their children with a little more awareness. And then that just kind of gets better down the generations, but that's not going to happen if we continue to perpetuate the problems that we're talking about. So Mm -hmm. small change, man. Yeah. That's all it takes. I mean, it's it's just one small step, but you know, it it takes, it takes a village. So, I mean, it's definitely possible. It's just, it's just everybody's involvement. Everybody has to do their part. And I think, um, you know, conversations like this is, is where it starts. Yeah. More I mean, open think, conversations like this. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, I think at a base level, I mean, I think, you know, no matter what, I think we're all basically struggling with the same stuff. I mean, we all know what's going on. How do we teach our kids to do better going forward? But, you know, outside of a very few of us, nobody wants to sit down and, and address it. Clint said, nobody knows how to communicate anymore. Nobody wants to. People are afraid of being vulnerable, even though, I mean, you turn on the TV or listen to a podcast, everybody talks about how important vulnerability is. Nobody wants to follow through on it. So you just have to figure out, I guess, how to strike that chord and get on the same page as everybody. But I think you guys are right. Keeping it local is the best thing to do. I mean, instead of looking at everything, you know, at at a larger level worldwide or even nationwide, I think you're going to have the most impact by trying to address things in, you know, your community and in your neighborhood 
you know, mm-hmm. if you live like I live in, you know, condo building, apartment building, you know, check out your building first, do it there in your kid's school first and foremost. I think that's where you're going to have the most impact. So I, I totally agree with that completely. I, I feel like we could probably go on and on and on for hours and hours and hours, but <laughs> I think we will wrap up this year's version of the Bald is Beautiful Father's Day Club. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I guess, uh, what can we expect from you guys coming in the next year? Floor, what do you, any predictions for yourself? Anything you're going to be trying to do within the next year? And we'll, we'll, I guess, keep tabs and next year we'll take score, see what, see what's going on. Yeah, man, definitely. Um, I, I gotta say accountability that definitely really pushes you to do stuff. So we definitely got to hold each other accountable. I know we did that from time to time, like every two weeks are like, Hey, yeah, I gotta know, get back into that. Yeah. You doing <laughs> stuff or what? But man, I, I gotta say, I, I I started the process with the whole podcasting. Um, I haven't put anything up, but I mean, I'm really excited about it. I've, I've been trying to put down topics, but then it got to a point where I was like, you know what? Stop putting down topics and just talk into the mic. So I'm going to go ahead and start, you know, putting those together. And then I've been talking to uh, uh, my best friend too. He also wants to start a podcast with me, kind of like a little bit of a different direction, not so much uh, related around fatherhood, uh, but, you know, it's still going to all be in there. It's just going to be, I think, more so just kind of, you know, things that we experience. I mean, we know each other best and uh, mostly focused around like mental health, which, you know, it's it's very important, you know? Oh, yeah. And and so it's something that we're just going to got to kick off ourselves, uh, both of us together. I'm going to do my own thing as well. And and I think just kind of go back to just really not so much. And I know Clint mentioned that I, I kind of took a backseat on, on social media. I haven't been extremely involved. I've just been trying to, you know, just have a lot of personal growth, spend a lot of time with my, you know, my family, my daughter, and just just going through all the all these hurdles that life is throwing at us, you know, um, yeah. and just try to trying to make it through. But I, I think trying to be more involved in the community is is what my goal is for our next uh, Father Father's Day roundtable. Is just just be more involved, um, make more of an impact. Starting like like we said in the neighborhood, just starting starting from there, and then see how that grows and what impact that can make. But I mean, I'm just looking for one. If I can do one. I have succeeded. Yeah, that's a good that's a good way to take it, man. What about you, Clint? What do you got coming up in the next year? I'm gonna climb several Mount Everest. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> now, man, it, a lot, dude, a lot. My goal, a couple of goals, is you know, uh, getting my daughter living with me full time is the biggest one. Uh, it's a transition I'm working on. It is a World War Four. It, it's gonna be great. Um, and then, you know, my brother's, his house is almost done and he'll be off deployment in a few months and he'll be living here and we'll all be on this property together by the end of the year. And, uh, that's a big thing. And then by next, by next summer, I should be operational enough here on the farm to start housing educational programs and on-site visits for, uh, the local schools and, um, other groups that I've been working with, really getting dialed in on starting to network with the nonprofit food production here in this area and opening, basically opening up the farm as a fresh food convenience store almost because I'm, I'm living in a classic food desert situation where this is where food is produced, but you can't get a hold of it and everyone just eats at the gas station. So I'm, I'm building a refrigerated area 
that is going to function as like a, a convenience store for out here that it's farm fresh nutrient dense food that's another big one business wise getting austin dad's group back and kicking is another one and then a few things that are collaborative efforts that i cannot speak to quite yet because they involve other people but there's some there's some very interesting names uh, that I found myself in cohorts with. So, yeah, I, I'm excited about that and just continuing to be a pillar in the community for sure. And being more active as a a spokesperson for the things that I believe in, not just on social media, but when I go out into the community and really putting forth effort rather than just being a bystander. Uh, that is lending a hand. I, I really want to take over leadership roles within the community. There was one other one that that was that was quite important. Now I lost it. But yeah, oh, that's uh, a pretty you, long you list, man. You sure you want to add add more to what you've already got going on? <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm leaving out all of <laughs> You go ahead, man. Let me hear it. I feel like for me, uh, just content, 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 man. I need to get this podcast back up and running on a regular schedule. Uh, I want to try and get back into posts on Instagram more so as opposed to just being on TikTok all the time. Just the outreach there, just trying to help men. Um, why just women too, just anybody. Divorce is awful. So anybody that needs help, really. Of course, always down to help the single dads too. Yeah, just being more consistent with that, really. I mean, those are my my biggest goals. But just just trying to reach more people, definitely with the podcast. Try I've got a, a long list of people I want to interview to just try and get more stories out there, just trying to do more outreach, really those are my biggest goals. So I'm sure I'll probably come up with more as time goes on, but that's like really what I'm trying to lean into. Just podcast, just uh, using myself as an example that you can turn things around after divorce and be happy again, refine yourself, all that good stuff. And just continue to try and maintain a good relationship as a dad with a teenage daughter that's going off to high school <laughs> without losing my mind. That's, <laughs> those are the biggest goals. Nice. Oh, yeah, I'll probably be reaching out to you for some pointers because I, I would like to either you know get into podcasting or some sort of recording because uh, as as you can tell and as you know, uh, long form is more my my jam and the short Instagram stuff just doesn't quite do it enough for me because I want to ramble and go down <laughs> rabbit holes. So I need either like some sort of YouTube or podcast to get me going. And I've had a few people reach out about like, starting one with him but I, you know I'd, I'd much rather have one of my own where i can just i don't have to go by somebody else's rules so i'll probably be reaching out on that as well hey anything i can do man anytime you know how to find me happy to help yes sir all right well thank you guys for joining this week as always it's always a pleasure it's been trying to man it's been so long try not to be uh I guess such strangers, but I mean, it's like we, we live near each other, so it's kind of hard. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, let's let's do it again next year. I, I made a list of all the things we said, so I'm gonna hold you all accountable. So make sure you stay on top of your game. <laughs> always, I love it. pleasure talking to you guys. Yeah, and uh, always have a great time sitting down and talking with the fellas. And I am gonna hold us all accountable to see how far we come between this year and next year as well. If you like this episode and know anyone that might be interested in what we talked about, please send it on to them. Please also leave a review with whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. That way we can help get the message out to more people. If you feel like you're struggling with recovering from your divorce or any kind of co-parenting or single parenting aspect of your life, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can find me on Instagram or TikTok at Single Dad Reboot 
or feel free to email me singledadreboot at gmail.com. Um, on my Instagram, my TikTok, I've got a Calendly link set up. You can reach out and set up a call. It's free. Happy to talk to anybody and provide any kind of help and support I can. Hope you all enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you all for tuning in.